Thank you for that beautiful song, y'all. That was great. Welcome to Middle Church. Would you please join me in this invitation to worship? How are y'all feeling today? Good. Everyone feeling grounded, feeling balanced a little bit? We're living in a point of a lot of imbalance, a lot of division, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, false narratives, false nostalgia. Uh, it's very frustrating. Um, I wrote a poem for anyone who needs to hear it today. I want to remind you, if you're hurting, I hurt, we hurt, we are hurting. Sometimes I feel helpless in that what's happening in the media, what's happening in our leadership, I just don't know what to do. Does anybody feel like that? So I wrote this poem partly for myself, but I hope it helps you too, to remind you where the power really lies. Before I start this poem, I have a question, and it's not rhetorical. I really uh, would enjoy hearing what you think about this briefly. Um, <laughs> so, if Trump disappeared today, what would America do? I heard rejoice, I heard celebrate, I hear. Gotcha. Same thing. That's a very interesting answer. There's no wrong answer to that, right? Pence would take over, and he would celebrate with golden confetti. There's no wrong answer. So I wrote this poem. It's called, What Would America Do? If Trump disappeared today, poof, what would America do? Would there still be all this commotion? Would America still worship money? Would we still pollute the oceans? Would we still imprison black men and shoot them down with no emotion? Would women still be the smartest in the room and still get passed up for promotions? What would America do if Trump just no longer exists? Would we destroy our planet for profit? Would we still have private prisons, the new slave trade in auction? Would men still write laws dictating what women do with our bodies, stripping away anatomical autonomy? Would we still shame women who use sex as commodity, but not shame men who buy sex and pornography? Would we turn a blind eye to all this hypocrisy? What would America do if it was up to you? Would you finally purge law enforcement of white supremacist bigots? Would you finally give equal rights to poor whites and immigrants? Would preachers still use the pulpit to pimp our communities? Will boys still be boys, assaulting women with impunity? Would we still ignore the killing of trans folks? Because this is where America stands, folks. To know what America would do, we ask, what has America done? For one, we massacred our native population. From the blood of black slaves, we built the richest of nations. We waged war before. We cried wolf with terrorist threats. You remember weapons of mass destruction? 
how quickly we forget. I've seen America burn crosses on the lawns of my fathers. I've seen America separate mothers and toddlers. I've seen America vote for men whose only moral is money. Men who appeal to the racism and sexism of my beautiful Christian country. So we search for a savior to save us from the big orange goblin. Some magical Democrat that will solve all our nation's problems. But Trump is just a symptom of a money-hungry system that never had regard for our troops or regard for the truth, no regard for the planet and no regard for the youth. Trump was born into this, just like you and I. Trump is as American as apple pie. So I won't ask what would America do. We know what America has done. Instead, I ask what can America be? if we step up in the days to come? Can we be one nation under God, indivisible? Can true freedom and compassion be our core principles? Because these words that I write are not out of spite. I often dream of a day that you and I can unite and fight the plights affecting all of our lives, like healing our children and fighting addiction from alcohol and prescription. Resisting government monopolies and wicked foreign policies made to benefit the rich while killing us with poverty. Because no matter our religion or sexual preference, we can build a better tomorrow for all of our descendants where the common good is used for the good of the collective. A place where pharmaceutical riches do not result in more sickness a place where corporations have constraint and cannot buy our politicians. Where the money that we use to wage war goes to healing Mother Earth or building housing for the poor. It's just a thought, y'all. A place where all synagogues are safe. A place where all Muslims brothers and sisters are looked upon with grace where little girls can walk the streets without being harassed because little boys are taught to understand the traumatizing effect that that has. <laughs> what can America be? A place where someone who looks like me and loves like me can actually feel safe and free? Where black and brown women are not minimized and the image of us outside matches the power of our insides? Our potential, our resilience, our imagination and our brilliance. My ancestors fought for me to have a voice and they fought for me to have a vote. So I talk my ish and I cast my ballot, I honor them by doing both. Cause they knew what America could be, they did. But it starts with you and it starts with me. Because although he spews lies and his actions show cowardice, assigning that much power to any man will eventually render you powerless. So don't ask what would America do. Ask what can America be? And the answer to that question, my friends, is solely up to you and me. Thank you. Amen. If you remain standing, we're going to go to our first song. So, Middle, what can you do in this moment 
You can sing, and you can give us everything you got in that voice. The young people are going to lead us, hopefully. You ready, my friends? Yes. Here we go. It says, you got to pull. For the message for all yes, ages. Yes, yes, so please, yes. all young and young at heart, please join us on the stage. All right. Awesome. Yeah, we got yes, tons yes, of yes. friends. Come, come, come. Come on now. Yes. We, welcome, welcome. So we just celebrated Valentine's Day. Yes. We yes. And we know that God's greatest commandment is to love thyself and love thy neighbor. One of the greatest commandments, right? Mm-hmm. I heart you, Vanessa. I heart you, Monique. Yeah. Can we all heart each heart other? Heart each other. I heart you. I heart you. I heart you. Heart you. you know, I wonder sometimes, you know, love can be gushy and comfortable like a blanket, you know? Yes, I, mm -hmm. love, I love that kind of love. It's gushy. Mm -hmm. Love can also be resistance, right? Standing up for injustice. 
But you know, love can also be bold when you just feel like you want to give somebody a hug. Vanessa, can I hug you? Yes. yes. Oh, can we mm. hug each other? Can hugs? we hug each other? Hugs, give hugs, hugs, give hugs. Air hugs, air hugs. Mm. Yes. Yeah, that's a goodie. Love can also be tough, like standing up to a bully who's bullying a friend, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I want to check something out with everybody. What's love for you? Yes. What's love? Donating extra stuff that you have for those who don't. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Visiting your grandfather, yes, in a nursing home. Who else? How do you show love? How do you show love? Yes, Elise. Um, I don't have to. If I did have toys, I would share them. <laughs> oh, you have okay, an office have full of toys. You have an office yeah, full of toys. What? Oh, we yeah, got yeah. one. What else? Loving my mom and mama. Yes, yes. loving mom. That's yes, awesome. bringing sick food to a sick friend. Mm-hmm. What else, Monique? What is a real good form of love? You know, I'm thinking about these cards right now because sometimes we just got to do something and just share. So I just want to share love right now. Is that all right? Yeah. So these are cards that we're going to give out to everybody to remind you that we're love, your love, we're all love. Is that all right? And for the adults, we want to show love through our vote, mm-hmm. right? We, have, sure. we want to show love through our voting, right? That's it. All right. Let's so let's pray. stand for prayer. We can touch arms or hold arms. Touch arms. Dear God. Dear, Dear God. God. We give and receive love in so many ways. We give and receive love in so many ways. May we show love and be love. May we show love and be love. In 366 days this year. In 366 days this year. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Let's sing Sia Hamba. Let's go. All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Middle Church. Thank you for my Valentine. I'll get it later. I'm Amanda, and I'm so glad that you all are here. I'm one of the ministers here. And today, especially, I am so grateful to be in this space, in this sanctuary. Amen? If you are um, from New York, you may know that we had a big fire right here on the block next door this week. Um, Our sanctuary, by the grace of God, and our building is all safe. But so we celebrate that and at the same time are praying for all of our neighbors and businesses who will never be the same. And in our celebration, we commit to working with them to get back on their feet as they're able. So we're glad that you're here. Is anyone here today for the very first time? If you'll just raise your hand and let us know, we'd like to celebrate you. And when I look at you, just shout out where you're from. Italy, Italy, welcome. All right, right here. New York, welcome. New York, welcome. Brooklyn, welcome. Say it again. Toronto, welcome. In the back? 
Chicago, welcome. Yeah? Paris. Where are you all from? Harlem, welcome. Brooklyn. Astoria, I love this. Massachusetts. Yeah? DC. Anybody in the back, in the top up there? All right, welcome everyone. And welcome to our online members who are worshiping with us every Sunday from all over the world. It's great to be family today. Um, there are a lot of things happening in the life of Middle Church. I hope that you will look at the projector and your bulletin to see all those things and ways that you can get engaged. Um, Pam is gonna come up right now for a special announcement. Thank you very much. Hi everyone, I want to talk with you a moment about a retreat day that we're having and I know that that word is a little misleading because it actually is going to be an in-treat. It's gonna be here at Middle um, and I'm wondering if, how many of you have been to the retreats in the past when we've gone off-site? So I see quite a few hands there, which is wonderful. Um, those have been amazing days and times for us to come together as community. And so this year we wanted, we know that that's limiting for some people to have to go away and spend a night away. So we are having a beautiful day here in our space, in our home, to be together from 9.30, 10 o'clock to 4.30. Um, with yoga and prayer and music and ways to connect in community, to set intentions. Um, our theme this year is God in the Middle, and it is a day to renew body, mind, and soul. So we hope that you will give yourself the gift of this day to come with us. It's February 29th, Leap Day, so it's a dessert day. It's a day you don't usually get, so you can spend it with a beautiful community. We hope you'll come. The information is here in the bulletin, and there's an Eventbrite to sign up. Childcare is available, so please come. Thank you, Pam. Also, would like to draw your attention to a special guest preacher that we have in the pulpit today, along with Jackie, our senior minister. This is Doug Paget. Doug is, yeah, Doug is a friend of Middle Church and Middle Project and is the executive director of Vote Common Good, which you will hear more about. And you may have seen their big old bus across the street. They're going around the country on a tour to get people to vote with a moral conscience. And they will be having um, an event tonight at 530 that you don't want to miss right back here in the sanctuary. So good things ahead today. Uh, part of the ways that we are church together is that we can spend time together in, excuse me, in reflection and in meditation and in thinking about the ways that we hurt and in thinking about the ways and the places that we are grieving. And so that's what I invite you to do now, to get into a posture of prayer, Feel your breath in your body and your feet on the floor. As we reflect even today on the presence of the holy with us here right now. And as we do so, Natalie Perkins will lead us in a prayer through song. Let's pray together.
Stand now in body and spirit as you're able and continue in this wonderful spirit of song. We're going to pray now together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. In whatever way is comfortable to you, there's an inclusive ver version printed in your bulletin. Let's pray now together. Ever loving and holy God. 
family, you are full of divine love and peace. And the world needs us to share that with each other. So let's share that love now. May the peace and love of God be with you. Above my head, I see Jesus. 
Right then. Wow. Queer black wow. man in the house. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you, God. Today's scripture lesson, everyone, is found in the book of Deuteronomy. And I'll be reading from chapter 30, verses 11 through 20. That's Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 20, if you want to read along. This is an exhortation to choose life. Surely this commandment that I'm commanding you today is not too hard for you, nor is it too far away. It's not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and get it for us so that we may hear it and observe it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you would say, Who'll cross the other side of the sea for us and get it for us so we may hear it and observe it? No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and in your heart for you to observe. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I'm commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in God's ways and observing God's commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. 
But if your heart turns away and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today, you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying God, holding fast to God. For that means life to you in lengths of days so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give you and your ancestors to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Sarah, and Leah, and Rachel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you say a prayer with me and Doug, please? God, we sit in this space with a little sumsa of smoke, grateful to be here. Grateful for walls still standing and asking that as we listen for a word from you, you'll break down our walls and open our hearts and open our ears that we might be transformed by what we experience. Amen. Amen. Doug Paget. Jackie Lou. Doug. <laughs> Hi. Hello. <clears throat> Hello, friends. So, Doug. Boy, a ev- lot going on. Ev- yeah. So what... And, and thank you for the chance to share the pulpit with you, my I'm, friend. I'm so it's glad real, to have you. Honor. Doug is a really good guy. Um, <laughs> what's, what strikes you first? Well, uh, Jackie, as you and I were talking about sharing this, this passage together, uh, I, I'm struck by a couple of things. You know, it's, for people who don't know, the, the reading of a particular passage before a sermon, the scripture reading of the day, uh, is done in lots of ways. Different churches do it in different ways. This church is part of a, a large network of churches around the world that follows something called the lectionary. And on the lectionary, it's sort of a pre-chosen selection of scriptures that allow you to read through the whole Bible over the course of a few years. And so it's striking to me that that particular passage is being read by people all over the world. I think it's worth sort of noting that mm-hmm. while this community sits in one room and with some people online, that there are people all over the world who are also wondering, what does this mean for us? And because this is an ancient text, comes from the book of Deuteronomy, the Hebrew scriptures, it's been heralded and read aloud in congregations and communities for thousands of years. years, So it's, it's interesting that we find ourselves in a very moment that's also in this global and this historic setting that we find ourselves in. So I, I sort of noticed that. And because this is a Hebrew uh, scripture, um, and I'm a Christian pastor, uh, I asked my rabbi friend, Joseph Edelheid, who's my rabbi, I'm excited to, uh, rabbi. Uh, to say, Rabbi, how should I think about this text? Because his community has been thinking about this longer and in different ways than I've had the opportunity to. And Rabbi Joseph said to me, you know, it's an interesting passage. It comes from Deuteronomy 30, and Deuteronomy 30, where you read so eloquently from, is part of a longer set that has a chapter before it which sets it up. And he said, I think to really understand this call of moving into the land and choosing life and choosing death, sort of the all and all, that you're going to live in this, this time where you have choices to make about all of life, that the you that's being addressed is important. Mm-hmm. So he said, look at 
a few verses earlier, chapter 29, where the introduction says this. The you being addressed here is you assembled today, all of you. And I, I love the notion of all. I, like, like you, I'm an allist when it comes to my theology. <laughs> I like it. Right? I like to say some people are Methodists, some are Baptists. You're I'm an allist, allist and a lovist, yeah. right? Uh, all of you, before the Lord your God, you're gathered. Then it goes on with a list. And my Rabbi Joseph says, it's a, a place where only a few times in the Hebrew Scriptures is a list given. And this list matters of who is being addressed. He says, the leaders of your tribes, your elders and your officials, all the men of Israel, your children, the women, the foreigners in your camp, both those who cut wood and those who draw water. Now, Rabbi Joseph said, that's this list that includes all y'all. All y'all. Right? It includes men and women and elders and children and foreigners and workers and leaders and everyone. So this call that this chosen people is going to enter into a land is not a subset of the special, but is all. And he pointed out to me in this time where we live in an age in which some of us want to believe that only for some, some should be let in, some should be kept out. This entering a land narrative is for the all. I love so that. So that's what's striking me today. I love it. I love that you talk to your rabbi. I talk to my rabbi. Yeah. I call Sharon Browse when I need a rabbi. I say, girl, hook a sister up um, with some exegetical work. And one of the things that she often points me to is a, actually a website that we can all go to um, um, that has some Torah teaching, and it's called My Jewish Learning. So um, one of the things that struck me is that the words for this particular piece of scripture, because the Jewish people have a lectionary as well, yes. right? They're reading Torah throughout the year. And when you get to this particular reading, it's called Parashat Nitzavim, Parashat Nitzvazim. And what it means is we are standing. Mm. So just like Genesis literally means in the beginning, yeah. right? Um, this, these two words literally mean we are standing, and it is taken to say this word is written and given when we are standing, when we, yeah. they, are standing outside of the land, Doug, yeah. ready to go in the land. Yeah. It's sort of like God's last campaign speech yeah. for the, how they should be a people, like that campaign yeah. speech, because yeah. vote yeah. come and go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's God's last campaign speech to give them words about how to be, and she also says, um, just like in Genesis, when it's, it, it, God created heaven and God created earth, it's shorthand for God creates everything. Mm -hmm. When it's, I have given you life and I have given you death, that's shorthand for the whole life cycle. Yeah. So that the babies over here sharing their crayons and the most oldest beautiful one of us in the room might be Miss Geraldine, I don't know. She's so cute and I can't tell how she is. But the, but the oldest ones of us and the youngest ones of us, all of us are being invited to go in the land, yeah. to go in the land and to live in such a way, Doug, that we choose life. Yeah. And the kind of twist in that is what we do to choose life can't just be yeah. for us. Yeah. Choosing life is the way we live to, for the whole community, yeah, it's a community for the whole company. Thing, yeah. It's a communal yeah. thing. Yeah. And I'm also struck that, you know, this is a passage that is thousands of years old. Yeah. You sort of imagine that in every political age, in every cultural age, in every time humanity has been brought together, that religion has a choice. 
It can either say divide and separate, Mm -hmm. divide and conquer, or it can say bring together and inhabit. Yep. And there's something in the human spirit that is given these choices, right? It's easy to say, well, in our day, we live in the most divisive time that we've ever lived in. And I don't know, it feels like the most divisive time that I've been alive um, in, in my you know, half century. But that's not only created in this moment. These are the deep human impulses. And for people who spend our life trying to be in the religious community, giving some words and, and leadership, we have choices to make, as do uh, people in every sector of society. Do we want to bring together or do we want to separate? And I'm sort of heartened by the fact that this is the human condition we're talking about. Right. In the way that the teachings of Jesus, you know, sort of my other rabbi, in the way that the teachings of Jesus call you to the human project, right. not to the... Churchy project. Churchy project. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. This, is, this is what we've been up to and what we've been a, been a part of. For, the, for all of human for all history, time, yeah. all of human history. Yeah. It's interesting that the word religion literally means to reconnect, right? Religion is religamate, reconnect. Okay, and so how yeah. have I never heard that in my whole life? I don't life? know why, because Brian McLaren <laughs> told me. Why did he tell you? He's our shared know, friend, he's, right? He's holding Isn't out. Isn't that good? Yeah. Religament, rejoin. Like, like a ligament. Like, yeah. Like a ligament holds together, religion should this bring back This is why I went together. to school, so I could tell Doug this whole... Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know, maybe yeah. you all knew that, that yeah. the root of the word religion was religion, to reunite. To reunite. And yeah. instead, I mean, I want to talk good. about the, the, isn't that good? Yes. I want to talk about the, the kind of Hey, like, man, thank you for coming today. <laughs> end, end of sermon. <laughs> the, the, You're full of that stuff, though, aren't you? Stuff. You're full of it. The chosenness problem, yeah. right? Yeah. The chosenness problem. If we want to be really real in this Black History Month, in this time of love, when my friends on the border are doing a lot of incredible, difficult work of witnessing and storytelling, when, when, when people are being... Uh, the stories that are coming out of the border right now are so horrifying. I think that's why they're not being reported. It, it, the, the way people are being arrested, Doug, the way people are being pulled apart from their families and then kept before they can get to the so-called problem, promised land. Yeah. The, the, the chosenness problem is who gets the land. Yeah. Who gets to have the land? Who, who gets to be chosen? Who gets to stand on the outside of the land and be a part of the we yeah. that gets to go in the land? So do... Do Mexicans get to go in the land when actually we split Mexico willy-nilly yeah. right at the Rio Grande River? Who gets to go into the land? Who gets to go into Palestine? Who gets to go in the land when there are now fences and barbed wires going through the yards of people whose olive groves have been split because we totally massacred a people. Let's be honest. There's no Holocaust hiding here. We massacre a people. And the response to massacring those people is to take land from those people to make sure that those people have a homeland. Who gets to go into the land? Do black people go into the land? Do, do, do black people get to go into the promised land? Do gay people get to go into the promised land? Yeah. Do children get to go into the land? This, this, this promise and dream deferred yeah. problem. Yeah. And we have to think about it every day. I'm, I'm a part of a project called Vote Common Good mm-hmm. that Amanda mentioned. And we're an effort that travels the country. In fact, there's a bus out there that says faith, hope, and love for a change on election day. Our project is to, to ask the religious community and religious mm-hmm. voters in this country to deepen into their faith and stop the re-election of Donald Trump. Because for, thank you. Um, and 
we are traveling the, we're traveling the entire country doing this, going to every state starting January 2nd. We're going to be in every state with it over the, that 79-day period until the end of March. Then we're going to focus our efforts on the 11 states that matter most in the election. And while people that have the privilege of being in this room and listening to what comes out of this room might know that their faith does not demand that they support a Republican candidate, even if it's Donald Trump as the candidate, people all over the country don't know that. So we travel the country to have rallies and events in every state to tell that story. The story that you tell here every Sunday and you tell here the 366 days of 2020, we're trying to tell that all over the country because people don't know this story. Well, that led us, because we're going to every state, to be in New Mexico a few weeks ago. And we stood at the border. And when you stand at the border and you see this wall that has been erected, these slats that go 18 feet high, made of metal and buried six feet deep, you sort of wonder who's walled in and who's walled out. You wonder which side of the land you would, side of the wall you would rather be on. You wonder who's afraid of whom. And when you stand at those slats and stick your arms through and hold hands with the people that are trapped on the other side, having split family from family, you see just how horrible this oppressive imagery of division is. There, it rends the land. If anyone has stood there and you see it, it is a sickening sight to see the beauty of the New Mexican and Mexican desert just torn apart by a wall of division. Then we went into the courtroom and watched them process detainees and heard a lawyer stand up on behalf of a mother and say, judge, we demand to know where her child is. If you can imagine in this country, in Las Cruces, New Mexico, lawyers having to stand up and say, judge, this government took her daughter and they say they don't know where she is. Dr. King that was two weeks that, ago. It, it's horrifying, uh, Doug, and it has dropped off the news. Dr. King would say that's thingifying somebody. Wow. Those black and brown people are not people enough to be concerned about in, in mass. When you can shoot somebody in the face because they're just trying to protect their brother from being arrested, when still black and brown bodies can be shot, you know, without weapons, just shot willy-nilly because there's fear, when we body slam black children onto the, to the, to the ground, the walls that have been erected between people, yes. Doug, at the border, but also around class and around race and around human sexuality and around poverty, we have got to be wall demolishers. That yes. is really That's right. Yeah, you have to be yeah, yeah, wall demolishers. <coughs> Absolutely. It's almost like you want to you want to march around the walls until, until they, they collapse, down. right? Exactly. I mean, the, even those narratives yeah. are long-term in our story. Right. This is this is work we have to keep up right. keep up on and keep doing. And I'm a I'm a pastor who's pastored predominantly white church for the last 20 years. And I'll and I travel we travel in our audience for this work we do at Vote Common Good is predominantly white evangelicals and white Catholics because they support this president in numbers that are unthinkable. In Black History Month and these conversations, this has to happen in the white communities too. When white communities act as if Black History Month is their chance for only the black church to speak up, black history is American history. Amen. It is not black speak history. It. Come on. And <laughs> there's just... 
You know, our little motto, our, our motto is faith, hope, and love for a change in election day. And our saying is, you have to wake up, speak up, and stand up because your faith should call you to wake up. Your hope should call you to speak up. And love is a verb that causes you to stand up and to act. And this is a privilege you all have. And I would like to invoke you uh, at, at, at our rallies and events that, that we travel on, uh, that we do. And we're doing one here tonight. In fact, you'd be welcome to come. They're, they're public meetings. Genesis B, who did the poem earlier, will do two pieces tonight. There's some fantastic music, candidates speak. And we, we, we put out this call to people. And wh- wh- one of the things that's important for me is as an allist and a lovist in my theology, as somebody who follows Jesus, that, that love is the, is the call that we have. This gets real dicey. Yes. Right? Because I find myself traveling around and like speaking against the Trump administration and these policies that they do, almost to the point that it becomes personal. And I don't want to be filled with hate. As a, as a follower of, of love, I believe that every person is a beloved child of God. Donald Trump is a beloved child of God. As a follower of the way of Jesus, I believe everyone is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I have to proclaim and do proclaim that Donald Trump is the light of the world. But not every light of the world should be the president of the United States and he's totally unequipped to do it and he can't do it and he's harming this planet and he needs to take his dim little light and let it shine somewhere else and stop bothering the people of this country. But it is hard to not, take, to not just turn this into embittered group-on-group aggression. It, we feel the is. need to say, I'm not asking Republicans to stop being Republicans on November 3rd, but I'm begging them to not vote for this guy on November yeah. 3rd, right? Yeah. That somehow we have to come together and still call out. We don't want to be led into temptation. We want to be delivered from evil. And somehow living in that allist, lovest world and saying, this secondhand smoke of the damage of this rhetoric is killing this country. I truly believe the administration of Donald Trump is hazardous to the planet and all who live on it. Yeah. And that becomes this difficult moment of proclaiming inclusion and love, and yet this is so damaging. So I guess I'm begging for a little pastoral huh. care and a little help. Thank you like so how much, does Doug, one, for that. How does one <laughs> travel the, the, the country or travel the city uh, and live in a world where we hold both of these simultaneously? I think that is the question, and I think it takes us back to the text, right? The text ends up saying this law from God to love the world and to heal the world, um, some might say redeem the world, redeem the soul of America, this calling, this law, this imperative from our God is not up in heaven waiting for us to go get it, nor is it at the far end of the sea waiting for us to go find it. It's right here. It's right here. And I think... I mean, just to problematize this a little bit, Doug, there's a way in which progressives like you and I are all mammy-pammy, wimpy, don't want to say anybody's bad. Trump is bad. The Republican Party isn't bad. But Trump is horrifying. And the Senate that lets him get away with it did not do their job. That is a fact. And I think... I think actually love calls us to be truth tellers. Yes. Right? Love isn't like wussy, punky, not truth telling. Love is telling the truth. It's how we tell the truth. I don't need to demonize the people who voted for Trump to ask them to do something different. Yeah. I think that's, that's a missing piece in this. Like, can I, can I find a way? Can you hold my water? Yes. Can I can make a Venn diagram? Can I find a way in I, as I move in my world yeah. to be looking for the space where me and the so-called other have something in common. 
Can I look for the shared? That's community organizing 101, yes, right? right. Um, I was watching an Obama movie last night. I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. <laughs> this idea of uh, what do we have in common? What do I want? Clean planet. Okay. What do I want? Safe space for my children to learn and grow. Okay. What do I want? Count every citizen. Okay. Find the thing. We've got to find the thing. We are going to hell if we don't find the thing. Mm -hmm. Frankly, we're already in hell because we haven't found the thing, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm not giving up on finding the thing. I'm black, you see this. Mm -hmm. I am, my, my big problem is white supremacy gone amok. Like, yep. I'm not ha feeling good about it. But if I give up on white people, because I, right? Yep. How much of the population am I gonna have to give up on? I, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. What I have to do is look for allies and look for partners yeah. and look for shared meaning and look for the story that we create together. And I think that this is what this text is calling us to, yeah. Doug, is that we are all standing outside the promised land. Yeah. Ain't yeah. nobody yeah. really in the promised land. Yeah, that's right. Like the truth of the matter is, you are not in the promised land when your neighbor's hungry. Yes. You're not. You think you are behind your gated community, but you are not. In, a, in the promised land when your neighbor's not safe. Yeah. So that, I think, is what calls us to, to do yeah. it a little differently. Thank you. Thank you. Can, can I have can my I, water? Can I tell, tell you. you a story about that? I'm from Minneapolis, and uh, Donald Trump came to Minnesota in April to tout the tax policy. And it was around the same time that he had started his attacks on Ilhan Omar, who's my mm -hmm. congresswoman, and mm -hmm. she's a Muslim woman um, from Somalia. And... Because Donald Trump was coming, a bunch of his supporters were going to show up at this little factory in a small area outside of Minneapolis to support him. And Ilhan Omar uh, supporters came as well. And so they were lined up on both sides of the street. Mm. And I ran a radio show at the time. And so I went to find out what was happening there. And I was moving back and forth. Oh, Ilhan Omar supporters on one side and Donald Trump supporters on the other with signs yelling back and forth at each other with a small little two-lane road between one another. Talk about the divide. Talk about the two worlds. Talk about the two countries. So I was moving back and forth between asking people what their, why they were there. Something I heard on both sides was people saying, I don't know who those people are. Mm -hmm. Now, these are folks that live in the same state, near enough to drive to this same place, they wound up on the same road on two different sides saying, I don't recognize you. It was a scary moment. The other thing that happened on the Trump side, and there were a few hundred people on each side, and I talked to 20 or more, to a person, this quick little interview I would do with them saying, why are you here? They would say something like, I'm not a bad person for supporting Donald Trump. And I would say, well, who said you're a bad person? And they would start naming them. My brother, my mom, you, those people over there. Everyone's saying we're bad people for supporting Donald Trump. Then they would start to give me reasons that always included her emails and Hillary Clinton and all the rest of this, right? And I was struck by something. That if we think that people who support Donald Trump don't hear the moral critique, they hear a moral critique. Yeah. Very clearly. Now here's the struggle. What do you say when someone says, I'm not an immoral person for supporting this, this leader? Because I wanted to say, I think you're acting immorally by supporting this leader. <laughs> now how you separate out, I am not bad with I'm doing a harmful, evil thing, that's the moment that we live in right now. <laughs> And so I felt this real interpersonal tension as an activist 
and a pastor and a shared human being looking these people in the eyes while tears roll down their face saying, I felt I had no other choice. Yep. So we live in this age where people feel their only choice is to act in an immoral fashion. So, so our hearts have to become wide while we call them to not give in to temptation and to resist evil. Boy, this is that We need like six work. more sermons on this. This is hard but work. But let me tell you a story too. And, and like my dad is an African-American man, like I'm an African-American person who was raised in Mississippi in Jim Crow South. He has every reason to be angry with white people. Period. Full stop. Grew up poor, stayed poor, took himself to the Air Force, got disrespected by people beneath his rank. Like a, ca- a catalog of micro and major aggressions to make Richard Lewis able to just be mad at white people forever. Forever. So I fell in love with a white man named John. And John and I were on a, uh, uh, it was my graduation party and my dad is so mean to John that John leaves the party. I mean, like, John is like, I gotta go because I might be disrespectful to the old black man. And the old black man was just stank. The verb stank, to just stank to John. He was. So I love John and I love my dad. Mm. And I end up saying to dad, I hear you, I feel you, but you actually never get to disrespect me in my own house that way again. And what were you thinking, right? Time goes on, John and I get married, dad doesn't come to the wedding. He's healing, but he's not ready. By the time we get to my dad's house after the wedding and John's got a bottle of rum as a peace offering, John has gone to my dad to make peace. He's white and he's going to my old black man dad to make peace. Somebody's gotta make peace. Somebody's gotta go out there. Somebody's gotta say, damn, I mean, darn, this is really hard. Somebody's got somebody's to go there. And I'm sorry, white people have to go there. Yes. Hello, my nice white people, nod with me. Yeah. White people have to go there. The person who has the power has to go there. Sometimes people have to go there. And so we have to, take, we have to decide to choose life. To Choosing there. life is to go there. My dad now, every single time I talk to him, without fail, mm. Tell John I love him. Tell Joel I love him. Tell the baby I love them. Get, takes great delight in buying John golf shirts for his birthday every year. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. The transformation, the redemption yes, yes. is because somebody went first. Yeah. I'm sorry. Who's going to go first? Yeah. Go first. Who's going to go? And we can't give up on people. No. Can't. That's how, we, that's how we choose life. I know we yeah. need to end because we're long, but yeah. that's how we choose life. I'm choosing we got to choose life for everybody. Yes. And that is something about the way we lay down our crap, Doug. Yeah. And pick up love. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Is that a good place to stop? I don't want to say another word. Well, there we go. So, yeah. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Bertrand, and I have the pleasure of extending the invitation to join the movement today. Uh, So it's going to sound a little cliche, but there really is no place like middle. Um, And everybody who's, yeah, give it up, give it up. 
And I say that from a really deep place. So I moved a number of years ago from Kentucky to New York City looking for a place, a city where I could live out all of myself, love on all of my parts, like really look at my intersectionality and not be in a place where it's questioned or condemned. And even in this huge, vibrant, dynamic sanctuary of a city, I still find it's very it's just difficult to find spaces where all of me is loved on. But then I come to middle and I can just turn around and I can see my very beautiful black queer self and God immediately. And that might not be big for you, but that was huge for me. Like middle, no matter if you're a young baby or old baby, old baby, everybody gets the hug. I mean, you get that real deep hug and it means something here. Even if you're about justice, about love, about caring, all of you, I mean, truly all of you is affirmed here. And that does not happen at every church. It just doesn't. So if you're on the fence, if you're thinking about um, contemplating joining us at Middle, I would say think more with your heart. Um, there will be clergy up here afterwards to just talk to you. I made a list of churches about 11 years ago, and I haven't looked at that list since. So if you're looking for a place, a home, if you will, um, to do justice and to be your whole self and have your whole self affirmed, I think you found the right spot. Think about it. Make my 
note we are going to sing the first and fourth note of the closing hymn but before that God of today tomorrow and yesterday we thank you for these gifts please bless those who had to give and please bless those who had the heart to give um, we pray that these gifts will push us into action to do thy will in your holy name we pray amen
Wow. We've had some church today. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Natalie, for that beautiful prayer. Thank you for the ensemble. Thank you, queer black men, for your gorgeous voices and your fabulosity. Thank you, Dion and John, for such music directorship. Thank you, Boom Boom. Thank you. Thank you, Doug, for co-preach. Thank you to our amazing interns who are always doing great work. And everybody who makes it happen, sound, AV, and thank you. We don't have a church except you come. You know this, right? So this is a church and, uh, you know, they're the people. Um, you... You are this congregation. You are the ministers of this congregation. And I think when this text tells us to choose life and we understand that that means something about the way we're going to be in the world, about the kind of conversations we're going to have, about the way we're going to care front what is broken and evil, but the way we're going to try to keep making a space of love, of love, of love. That's your job. That's your job too. So I'm begging you, I'm imploring you, to get involved, follow Vote Common Good, make sure you're registered, stay in touch with the candidates that you think are important, and also in your everywhere you live, at work, at play, be sure to have conversations that help you clarify what's going on in the heart of the person who's, you know, lost and confused and dazed. And let's see if we can't do this thing better together. God bless you. Amen. <laughs> 